record on this computer, that's better. Hello and welcome to the Four Comic Junkies podcast. When the comics aren't enough and you need a little extra fix. I did the too early this time. It's been a weird week, folks. All right, get over it. Um, I'm your host, JJ Hodges, and uh, this podcast is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Go to batman-on-film.com for all the latest, greatest, coolest, schmooziest, flashiest, because Flash is coming out soon, huh? uh, Batmaniest news. I, I, I went too far. I'm sorry, friends. Anywho, uh, joining me is one of the Gotham Outsiders himself. Uh, my good buddy TJ is here. How the heck are you today? I'm doing okay. <laughs> I'm hanging in there. How, how are you, JJ? I, I'm okay. It's been a weird, uh, weird couple of weeks. Um, yeah. We, as of this recording, we've lost Kevin Conroy. Um, as of today, we we lost Jason David Frank, the original Green Ranger, White Ranger, and Oh, you know, all that stuff. And, and not only that, but uh, there was a, uh, a terrible uh, shooting uh, down in Colorado that um, it, it's just our world is is too dark sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I so we're talking about Mad Love today. Yes. I watched it last night and took some notes and. Like I, I picked this episode because it's debatably my favorite of the animated series just Mm -hmm. it holds a very special place in my heart and when i was a kid this was my favorite one so when you asked me to pick one it had to be mad love and i was surprised no one else had picked it to be honest but um so anyway i put it on last night i take my notes and then i wake up today and i hear about the shooting in colorado springs and i've just gone to a memorial service here locally it was uh for our trans day of remembrance but it kind of turned into you know uh honoring the people that died today as well and i'm sitting there and i'm just thinking about like how i relate to harley quinn in general but specifically in this episode of her coming back to joker repeatedly and he's abusing her but she is showing him so much love And she's desperate for this love. And I'm sitting there at this memorial and I'm like, I relate to this as like a queer person fighting this fight of, you know, we've been told for so many years that love is love and love conquers and love will win, but they keep killing us and we keep fighting them with love. And I don't know, there's just something about it where I'm like, I'm at the point where I'm very tired and I'm very angry. And you know, part of me wants to stop that cycle that we're in. And, you know, I'm rooting for Harley to get out of that uh, of that cycle in this episode as well. So I don't know. I feel like there's some something there that was just on my mind that I wanted to bring up um, that I think has relevance today specifically. And I, I think it I think that connection was there before. But the events today just really had me making that comparison. And the more I thought about it, I was like, Harley is a queer character Mm -hmm. and Kevin Conroy, you know, we're talking about him today. He was one of us. He was fighting that fight too. Um, Yeah. So I don't know. I think there's something there. That's so uh, poignant. You, you pointing all that out. It's, it's, it's tough when 
and I don't really know how to express myself in that type of situation because when something like this happens, I always, I feel, for lack of a better word or a better term, I should say, like secondhand embarrassment for those types of people that act that way and that treat, you know, queer people that way, you know, because it's almost like I feel like I should apologize on their behalf. <laughs> Even though that's that's not my responsibility, that's not no, not at all. And, and I totally get what you mean. And when I say they, like, I heard someone say today, like they just keep on killing us. What what do we do? And I think when when I or whoever is saying they, it, the they that you know these bigots that are just full of hate and filled with violence, and you know, I'm assuming these people are straight cis people, but not always. Yep. Like I, you know, the Pulse shooting, I think they're, I, you know, it's been a while since I've revisited the facts of that shooting, but mm-hmm. in my memory, I remember the shooter was, you know, he was on gay dating apps and like, you know, so I think there was a theory there that he was a repressed queer person. So like, not always are these people straight cis people. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like, I think there's, there's nuance there, but I do think it's the culture of the you know this cis white superiority culture i think is what's doing it but so i don't feel like you have to apologize but i i know what you mean yeah it's it's just such a uh, it's it's tragic in in every way you look at it and you know people who and unfortunately it's it's such a backwards way of thinking i've been seeing a lot lately and this i 100 percent endorse you can't be pro-life and be pro-gun and I am kind of on board with that, you know. I, you know, my, my dad was in Vietnam. We've never had guns in the house. He, he hated guns. He's never really talked about what he went through. Um, I'm sure it was awful, but, um, you know, I, I, I think about that a lot where it's like, you know, why, why do you need all of these? You know, the, the purpose of, a, of an AR-15 is to kill a lot of people. It's, it's not, meant for self-defense because you know there was a joke i think michael chase said on saturday night live where he said if you can't put down your assailant with six bullets then you're doing something wrong and i i I think about that a lot where again it's you know and we're all fans of like you know comic books and the uh uh, the, the fantastic nature of it and you know batman dodges bullets and stuff like that but um it's it's quite another thing when it's when it's real and then the, the fantasy element just feels that, you know, that much uh, closer to reality, which it shouldn't feel, you know, if that makes any, any sense. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the most horrific parts of this episode, Mad Love, is when the Joker is hitting Harley near the end of the episode. Yep. That was one of the most horrifying things I've seen in a cartoon. <laughs> maybe yeah. ever and yeah. that's because it's so real right um yeah i feel like i was going somewhere with that <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it, you know I, I remember like thinking that when i first saw it and and even like having read the comic book when i was a kid and then uh, when they adapted it into an actual animated uh, episode i i remember thinking like wow this is so powerful and and even kind of just in my head going, why does Harley keep going back to this guy? And, and not understanding the narcissism or just, you know, the unfortunate truth of domestic partners that 
sometimes stay with their abusers for no other reason than they they just don't feel like they can do anything else. They can't go anywhere else. They'd be lost without that person for whatever reason. And and I think that this show and, and that and that comic in particular, they did a really good job of, you know, Harley doesn't say it this way, but it's 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 a line, you know, I know you and I have talked about this. I've said it on the show before, where it's it's the idea of, oh, well, he's not like that when you're not around, kind of thing. And it's like, well, that doesn't make it okay, right? You know? Right. And I think this episode does an amazing job of showing an abusive, manipulative relationship. Like, mm-hmm. I've watched it a few times over the years. I think the first time I watched it, I was maybe like 12 or 13. And I, like, I didn't pick up on... Like, I remember watching this when I was younger. And this scene where... Harleen and Joker are talking in her session and he's having his like woes and telling his lies like I remember kind of finding it kind of charming as a kid because he's very charming in that scene and she's feeling it it's like you're kind of into it when you don't understand what's going on but when I revisit it now I'm like no like you know you find out he's lying later but just knowing that he is manipulating her in this way. Mm -hmm. Like it's so tragic and so sad. And, you know, we're wanting her to break out of this cycle, but any sort of even the minuscule of kindness that he shows her, even though it's manipulative, Mm -hmm. you know, she comes running back. And I just think there's a lot there of like, there's a sort of, I feel like there's a sort of innocence to Harley Mm-hmm. in that she just wants to be loved and like I think she is a character built on love so it's so tragic to see her in this relationship well the the comic not so subtly infers that she wasn't doing well in school and she slept her way through her professors and got you I know that yeah and, and kind of got through you know got through college and got her degree but at the same time, you know, there's a, you know, right at the beginning of the episode when she, when she does the flashback and she says, and, you know, there's the, um, what was I thinking of? Um, you know, there, there's the rose in her office that says, come see me sometime. And, and then she says, oh, well, the, you know, she tries to play tough, but the Joker sees right through her. You know, she's like, well, I think the guards would be interested to know you've been out of your cell. And he says, well, if you're going to tell, then you would have done it. And, you know, and it it says quite a lot that he already pegged that out of her. And then even later, you know, when she says, you know, to Batman, you'll be dead and everything will be great. And Batman just literally laughs at her and says, you know, he doesn't care about you. And it's one of those, it's it's one of those really sad things where she she's hearing everything that she needs to hear, but she just refuses to believe it. And it's, you know, when I was a kid, I remember feeling sad and feeling like, oh, like, what are you doing? Get out of that relationship, whatever. But even as an adult, just like I'm shaking my head, feeling like. I, I've known women like that, you know, I've known people like that, that are just like, no, 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 it'll be fine. It, it's fine. It's fine. It'll get, it'll, once we fix this thing, it'll be fine. You know? 
Well, and, and I think it, the most most tragic part of this is how how I interpret it is when she falls out the window after she's heard from both Batman and the Joker, they've expressed how they feel. She lands and you know she's beaten and she says, "Oh, I didn't get the joke." Mm-hmm. To me, that's her saying she didn't understand that the Joker and Batman. I don't want to use the word loved, but they were infatuated with each other mm-hmm. more than the Joker could ever be with her. She right. finally gets it. And I think, I think that's what they were going for. Cause at the, in the end montage, you know, she's, she's over it. She's, she's ready to move on. And then that she gets that rose and goes right back. And it's yep. like, that makes it even more tragic because mm-hmm. now she knows. And, she, and you know, at the slightest uh, chance that he could love her she comes back so it's like now she knows and it's just so incredibly sad it it is and it's and it's really kind of really fucked up when you think about it that these two men kind of put her in the middle of it right you know she's yes batman uses her to get the joker to come essentially rescue him right (laughs) you know um and and the Joker uses her to just get what he wants and get you know get you know out of Arkham and then uh, all all the you know different capers they've had against Batman. She's just a she's another henchman that he can throw that he can throw at Batman. Um, yeah, as much as I love Batman and I yeah. love this version of Batman, it did bother me a little bit that. In the and again, this was written how long ago? So I'm not gonna blame it for how it's written. Sure. But it's worth talking about that I think Batman underestimates her just as much as the Joker does. Mm-hmm. So like he finds her outsmarting him funny because she's and you know, a ditzy woman is how I've read it. Mm-hmm. So like he doesn't really take her seriously, even when she has won. Like, of course, he outsmarts her in the end, but right. He even says she got farther than the Joker ever did. She almost had him. And like, no one expected this of her. And even when she does it, they don't take her seriously. So I'm, I'm really glad that the newer stories, like the Harley Quinn TV show, they've given her a chance to really prove herself. And like, I think a main plot of the Harley show was the men specifically in that world, like teaching them to take her seriously because they should. And they regret it when they don't. So I'm glad that's something we've gone back to recently. I, I totally agree. And and Harley is is such a great, you know, she's always been a great character because she just started off just, you know, literally as kind of a one-off character in the um, the Joker's favor episode. She was just supposed to be kind of a a background funny character, an homage to the '60s show where all the different villains would have, you know, female, you know, partners that would kind of be in on the joke with them. And then suddenly they just kept putting her into more and more episodes. And, you know, especially, you know, when, when Harley Quinn became so popular that at some point somebody said, oh, wait, we should have her get out of this abusive relationship. And what is she like on her own? And, and that's been, you know, really amazing to, to see as a fan, to see that the, the real world feminism of it catch up to this to the character you know if that makes any sort of sense (laughs) yeah no i feel like they really separated her from joker maybe somewhere between like 2013 and 15 does that sound right in the comics i believe so yeah 
And then I, I think the the Harley Quinn cartoon is, really has gotten it though and done the most with it mm-hmm. most successfully. And there, there's a novel that came out recently called Harley Quinn Reckoning by Rachel Allen. Um, I really enjoyed it. And I, I got to chat with her over on Gotham Outsiders. She's lovely. Mm. The book is a great like Harley Quinn reimagining. It's a feminist perspective. And uh, anyway, it's fantastic. Go read it. Okay. But <laughs> one of the major changes there is that she doesn't go through this relationship with the Joker she has a lot more agency and really builds herself up and forms her own identity. And there is a very small part where like she sees him from a distance and kind of takes into account his clown thing. And it, it was a very well done scene. But anyway, my point is, I don't know how I feel about the Harley Quinn story not having this abusive story somewhere in it. Because hmm. while I think it's a it's a terrible tragic sad part of her story i think it's very important uh because i think it's very empowering and for people going through this now like you know i again and watching this episode just by itself i think it has a very sad tragic ending but the fact that we now can watch this and then go oh let me put on the harley quinn cartoon right i feel you know i feel like that gives us the satisfying and like closure that we want for her mm-hmm. and like we want to see her gain her agency and break out of this so i don't know i just, i love this episode but i love it even more now that we have moved beyond it i think it sets up everything that we have now perfectly um but yeah i just i don't know i think i just wanted to say that i think this part of her origin is very important even though it's sad and maybe it's not something we always want to talk about, but I do think it's very important. And, you know, I, I love giving her agency. Like I think her breaking him out of Arkham in this episode, like I was watching, I was like, okay, well she has agency here. Like she's making this decision, Mm -hmm. but then you're like, well, no, because he is manipulating her the entire way. Like this was not entirely her choice. She was tricked into this. So um, the Harley Quinn show, again, has uh, gone back to her origin and kind of they've retconned in some some things to give her more agency with uh, becoming Harley Quinn. And right. so I like that. Anyway, I love this episode and everything that's come out recently just kind of builds on it. It makes it even better. It, it, it definitely does, because I, I felt like, you know, it, 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 this this to me has some of the best Batman and Joker stuff in general. Like the 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 last fight they have on the train, you know, it's one thing to to read the comic book, which was drawn like the original animated series, but then when you get to hear Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill say these lines, then yeah. you're just like, oh my god, that's so cool, you know. Um, and I just and I love the way that you know that that Hamill and Conroy could play off of each other. That Batman just he kind of revels in pissing off the Joker, you know. Yeah, and it's also, very fun. And, and I, but I also love when he calls Harley out that he's like tr- true. He's trying to you know s- save his own ass, but at the same time, you can tell that the way the way Conroy's Batman always was was a very compassionate Batman. That if he had the chance to save one of his enemies, he would do it. Um, so I think that him trying to just get through to Harley and say like you're being you know he just straight up tells her he's like you're being stupid. You know, like he doesn't love you, and let me prove it to you by telling you, 
you know, all the all the stories that he's told and and just the way, you know, he delivers the lines like, oh, was it what was it the one about the ice show? You know, did he ever did he talk about his alcoholic mother and how his father abandoned him and all that stuff? And and she just kind of can't process it, you know, and, and, yeah. and you know, and, and you hear his voice go a little bit softer when he says he's got a million of them, Harley. You were paid for hired help the second you walked in. And yeah. And then, you know, it's so for, for me as a fan, it's like I wish we had gotten in a future story or series with that those characters specifically in this world. I, I wish we could have gotten more of Batman trying to get her away from him and say, like, you know, he's he's hurting you, don't you understand? And and he and he always and it was funny because I was rewatching Justice League in the um the wild cards episode where like the Joker has the Royal Flush gang and and you know and they have bombs all over Vegas. You know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that one? And maybe when I was a kid, but it has been a long time. Okay. Yeah, I, I just rewatched it. Um and he does the same thing when he points out to Harley, like he's like, Okay, so the Joker is up in the studio, you know, with Ace. And you're out here in the cold. So, you know, what's up with that kind of? And I just love that he 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 knows what buttons to push to get at her. And and it's always so sad that it, it happens in that episode too, where she goes up to Joker, like yelling at him, like, oh, you know, you never cared about me. And he's like, well, of course I did. And she's like, oh, you did? You know, <laughs> like, it's just like, oh, like, honey, come on. What are you doing? You know? Yeah, like one of my favorite Batman villains is Two Face, mm -hmm. and I think, and I think Harley has a lot of the Two Face appeal in that uh, Two Face is always halfway redeemed or always almost redeemed. We right. want to redeem him and see him saved, and I think we kind of have that with Harley in that we want her to get away from the Joker and save herself. Right. Um, and like part of we were talking about how Batman was talking to her. It kind of bothered me and like I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt or pass because Harley was trying to kill him <laughs> but, <laughs> but he was speaking to her like kind of condescendingly and like kind of cruelly oh, yeah. and I know it was manip again manip she's being manipulated to call the Joker there so that he can be saved and again giving him a pass because his life was on the line sure but, like <laughs> seeing her being manipulated by Batman then you know it was like I'm kind of team Harley even though she's in the wrong Right. she is still a victim of the joker and this is her story she's kind mm -hmm. of the protagonist of this episode so like yeah. seeing her be manipulated by both of them like it doesn't put batman in a great light in this specific perspective um but yeah no i would have loved to have seen them and i guess that one isn't there a batman harley quinn movie that's possibly in this world like uh, yes and I, I really didn't like the movie <laughs> yeah uh, i watched it, like it was fine but it wasn't like great so i'm well, like oh we have that but well, yeah because it, it's it's kevin conroy as batman and lauren lester as uh, as nightwing so they were their roles again so you would assume it's it's them and but, even the art i think the art style is the it, same it's it's pretty much the same uh, except nightwing doesn't have a mullet anymore <laughs> and he bones uh, harley quinn i think that's yeah. the main thing that like we can't accept that, so it's not in continuity. Oh, that's weird. All I could think was like, <laughs> oh man, like I don't think I'd ever want to, you know, especially after the Joker had his way with it. Ugh, you know, who knows yeah. why? I'm like, question. it's weird, but especially when it's in this world, and I think that's what they were going for. So it makes it weird. Yeah, I'm like, you know what? If they're two consenting adults, 
whatever. Right. But to bring it, since we're talking about her sexuality, like you brought up her sleeping with professors throughout college in the in the novel. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad they cut that out of the episode. Not yeah. that it doesn't make it, not that that doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Right. But I think in the context they present it, it kind of makes it seem like, oh, Harley was using her sexuality to get what she wanted. And now, haha, it's being done to her. She deserves yeah. it because she also did it. And I'm like, mm, I don't know if I like that. So I'm kind of glad that they didn't bring it up in the episode. I, I am too, because you also, I also, you, you know, and again, it's more of a modern context versus what happened you know, 20, 30 years ago when this mm-hmm. stuff was being done, um, you know, it just makes Harley just, and, and the, the Margot Robbie, you know, in the, the first Suicide Squad movie kind of had that too, where it was like, all she really wanted was just to settle down and have a family with him. And, and not that women can't want that, of course, um, but it, it does, I think, again like pigeonhole her a little bit like all she wants is just to settle down with this man and have his babies and have a family or whatever and and i like the idea that you know and again not that that's wrong because a lot of women want that um but you know a lot of men want that like i want that for crying out loud you know but um but uh it's like but you know people are more complex than that you know she so i like that like you you brought up the harley quinn show a few times that it was more about getting away from that and establishing her own identity and what she wanted and, and her being with Ivy. And I like that Ivy pushed back on that because she didn't want to have another Joker situation, you know, or to feel like, like that, uh, that she was that type of person in Harley's life. And, and it's, it's kind of amazing how these, you know, fantastical stories can really hit home and really say, Oh, I, like I can relate to this, even though it's a man dressing up as a bat and a woman dressing up <laughs> like a clown falling in love with, you know, a, a psycho clown or a plant lady, you know, <laughs> there's still the, like I always say the emotional reality is, is still true. Yeah. Like I think I've talked about before the most appealing thing of Batman or one of them is that he's constantly saving himself. He is mm-hmm. saving his younger self continuously by being batman because that's who he needed right Uh, and i think we're getting that with harley too and that she rescues herself because she gets out of the joker's clutches and learns and betters herself and uh, i think there's something very you know as a viewer people that that need that or need that inspiration um, to find that inspiring like she is a survivor of abuse and that's why I kind of say like I think it's a very important part of her character even though it's an, it's an ugly part of her origin mm-hmm. I think it's very important that she is a survivor of abuse and that she comes out even stronger on the other side right and and one of the things I love about the episode is is yes Batman does manipulate her you know and again given the benefit of the doubt like He's, yeah, he's close to death at that point. He's um, our hero, <laughs> but but I I love the idea that he knows that he he can if he can get the Joker there, he'll be okay because the Joker is that much of an idiot that he'll just be like, well, you Harley, you screwed it up, you did it wrong. I'm gonna let him go because we can't do it this way. And oh, yeah, because <laughs> he is the Joker's and the Joker is his. <laughs> yeah, it's so romantic he, or not. Yeah, they 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 each have their number in that way, and and I love that. 
um, it's, you know, you know, especially when, you know, Harley, ex, you know, explain, tries to be like, well, I, I had the, I had the guy upside down so that he'd see the frowns of smiles and, and just how, expl- like how explosive the Joker becomes. Again, there's a reality to that, that I think it's probably triggering for some of the audience watching it. And it certainly is for me now as an adult watching it going, oh my God, like, you know, we call the Joker a psycho all the time, but Jesus, like, that's a psycho. Like, instead of going, oh, Harley, you had a really great idea. Let's kill him. He's just like, nope, you did it wrong, you know? And and again, that emotional reality is real. And we as the audience can sit there and go, okay, like, I, we can kind of, I can kind of laugh at the Joker and go, wow, you idiot, you let Batman go, <laughs> you know? Whereas, like, pride. if he had just put that pride aside, he would have won. And... And it's such a, it, and I think it's legitimately the way Hamill plays it is so, when she calls him, it's just so fucking funny, too. Yeah. He's like, Harley, where have you been? Uh, yeah, mm, yeah, that man, huh? That's interesting. <laughs> anyway, I, what? You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, Hamill plays that so well. And I think, yeah. and I think Hamill would probably agree with us if we were to talk to him and say, you know, it's it's better that she got away from him and and everything. I'm sure he'd say yes. And I remember seeing an interview with Paul Dini where he kind of joked that maybe in that little, you know, darkened nugget, maybe somewhere in his heart, he, Joker does love Harley. And there's a part of me that always has always thought that like, yeah, maybe, maybe he does, but it's, it's far more interesting him, you know, only loving her as much as he needs her. Yeah. For, I think, for... I think he loves that. She loves him. Yeah. And he has ownership of her. So like, mm-hmm. like as soon as she is not his, you know, he gets her right back because he can't be without her. I wouldn't say that's love of her, but, you know, he loves some, having her around for some reason. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that that means he's in love with her, but, right. you know, it's, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, the... So, uh... I don't know. I, I know what they mean, but yeah. Yeah, and, and I think... And I think that no matter what, there's still that that reality to it that that we can, as the audience, relate to it. I've known women in those situations, you know, that are just like, well, you know, I know he cheated on me, but, you know, we talk things out and I think it's going to be okay. And in my head, I'm just like, I've literally heard this exact same story from you before, you know, and come on, man, like, you know, just just sort of like it's in a weird way, like with my daughter, she we were at Barnes and Noble and she was like, we were looking at like the, the light, the Buzz Lightyear Legos. And she was like, they had more Buzz Lightyear Legos. I'm like, no, this is it, honey. This is all they have here. She was like, no, there's more. And in my head, I'm like, I don't want to just keep telling her she's wrong. She's got to figure out that she's wrong. So I was like, okay, show me. And we walk around the hole downstairs and then she just turns to me and goes, I guess they don't. <laughs> I just like laughed. I was like, okay, honey. But it's also like, a lot of people, and not just women, a lot of people don't grow out of that. You know, they don't grow out of the, well, it, it'll be okay later. Like, if if we just figure this out, we'll get through the honeymoon phase, whatever, it'll be okay. And and that's really sad. And, and I think a lot of people try to frame the Harley-Joker relationship as this toxic, abusive, awful thing, which of course it is. 
but it's also like, yeah, but she wouldn't be who she is today without that, you know, without that in, in the Harley Quinn show would be maybe not less interesting, but like you were saying with that book you were reading, you know, there, you were like, well, there was something a little bit missing from that. Wasn't a bad thing, but it, it does help the story. You know what I mean? I think giving it the survivor of abuse aspect, like, I just think it's such a huge part of her origin that to not have it there feels like it's missing something. It's almost like when you don't have Oracle for Batgirl at -hmm. all, like, you know, her being in a wheelchair was such a huge part of her character for people that are disabled. So like, you know, that's the big controversial thing, uh, taking that away. But just imagine not having that a part of her character whatsoever, erasing Mm -hmm. it from her history. Like, you know, that's, a conversation to be had like i'm kind of talking about the harley quinn novel here um yeah. and not that that's bad in any way but it's just different so mm-hmm. like her having complete agency of her origin is just as good as her being a survivor of abuse i just think it's a completely different sort of good so yeah. and you know there's room for both of those two continuities to exist sure. so yeah like yeah <laughs> there, well, there was a there was something that when the the first Gal Gadot Wonder Woman movie came out, um, James Cameron had written or was interviewed about it or whatever, just put his two cents in and said that he didn't like it because he felt that a strong independent woman she she doesn't just become that way. Like she should have gone through some sort of tragedy, citing his own characters of Ellen Ripley or Sarah Connor. They, they became strong, independent, badass women because they suffered tragedy. And I remember Patty Jenkins refuting that and saying, you know, women can be strong and independent without trauma. So that's yes. not okay that you're saying that. And he just kind of doubled down on it. And the fact that people are excited for the new Avatar movie just makes me want to scream because I'm like, <laughs> like, I mean, I love, don't get me wrong, I love Terminator, I love Aliens, but like... I, the, the guy like that rubbed me it, it was such a um like a joss whedon type of thing to say and yeah but i was gonna bring that up <laughs> i'm really glad you brought that this was kind of what i was trying to get at when just comparing the novel origin and this origin uh-huh. and that like she doesn't have to suffer in order to be strong right like, her going through the abuse does make her stronger i think but that's because of her character and who she is, not because of the fact that she suffered. Like, it's not to say if she hadn't gone through that abuse that she wouldn't have been strong whatsoever mm-hmm. or differently. She still would have been because she's Harley Quinn and that's who she is. Um, and you're bringing up in general the trope of making your women suffer so that they can be stronger from it. Yeah, yeah that's a total, that's a total Whedon thing in that you know, making your female characters go through just the ringer so so that you can be like, ah, but look how strong she is. And like women can be strong without having to suffer. And as it's true for for anyone, obviously, but I think women in fiction, I think we see that a lot. It's it's strange. And uh, and it's part of the reason I liked the characterization of uh, of Selena in The Batman, because I felt like she was just cool and tough just on her own mm. versus, you know, you know, having to go through adversity and everything. And, and, of, and of course that character did, but I don't think that that defined that character as much as it 
as it has like a Harley Quinn or or something like that, you know. Uh, and and for me, it's just I don't know. At, at the end of the day, sometimes I'm just like I'm like you know we don't not all these characters have to go through all this tragedy. I mean, I, I guess it helps, but at the same, you know, like you know, who would Batman be or who would Bruce Wayne be without his parents dying? You know, who would Superman be if Krypton didn't explode? But yeah. it, at the same time, it's like, all right, let's. Sometimes I just want to give him a break, you know. <laughs> so and I, like, I, I was thinking the same exact thing. You brought up Bruce Wayne and the, his tragedy. I was going there mentally too, so hmm. we're on the same track here. But like, I, I feel like there's a difference in that his tragedy was like so far fetched, and that not that people's parents don't get murdered. But it's such a trope these days that like mm. his almost feels so far removed from reality to me. And then you have Harley Quinn going through emotional, physical, basically spousal abuse. <laughs> and mm. It's like that yep. just feels too close to home. Yeah. So like, and I guess, and that's just a trope in that so many fictional women are shown going through that, you know, as to make to show their strength and like. Bruce Wayne I feel like you know while he was wealthy and I just feel like he would have been seen as strong still because he was a manly man he probably would have grown up to be like built still so like he would have still had his strength I think Mm -hmm. and whereas Harley you know women are just seen as weak in general which is not true femininity you know also with like gay men if you are feminine that's seen as a sort of weakness so, you know, in, when you take a feminine person, you have to make them suffer to show that they are strong in yeah. fiction. And that's not true. So Yeah, it, you know, well, it, it's, it, it, that, that bugs me too, because it's, you know, I mean, masculinity, I, I'm, I'm glad that a lot of these tropes have kind of gone away, maybe not gone away, but are, there, there's a better acceptance of them, you know, you know somebody like, you know, like me, I, I didn't grow up loving sports. I'm not good with tools. You know, I, if my car breaks down, I can't just like figure out what's wrong with it and fix it myself. I got to call the guy, you know what Same. I mean? So, so it's like, I don't. And, and for a while I, I felt, and I think was even seen as less of a man because of that, because I couldn't do those things. And, um, and then it was weird if women could do those things, right? Like if women right. were good with cars, if women, you know, did like sports, it was like, oh, that's weird. She must be a lesbian, right? And it it just, and that kind of stuff just, you know, I, I still, those internal biases I struggle with and I try to break away from because it's like, oh, what's the, purpose of a woman oh well to marry a man and to have his babies right you know kind of that gaston mentality right (laughs) um when it's like well no like they women are allowed to feel how they want to feel and if they don't want to have children that doesn't make them less of a woman or less of a woman if a man doesn't you know like sports that doesn't make him less of a man um or whatever it just it's a whole other um and I, I'm glad that there's, you know, we've moved past that at least, at least somewhat nowadays. And of and course, I think we're tying this into our 
the oppressive, toxic, cis, straight culture that has led to shootings and, you know, I'm, I'm just tying this back into our theme from earlier. Of course. You know, this toxic mindset of being the other, you know. <sighs> it's, it's, it's tough. And, and I, and I like that our, our superhero stuff can touch on it and, and make it, dare I say, entertaining. Right. You know, but we can also, you know, you and I can sit back after watching this episode and go, Oh man, those are some real stuff. That was some real stuff happening in it. And sure. There's the goofy bits where you have Mark Hamill saying, may the floss be with you. Right. Um, but <laughs> At the same time, there, there's that reality to it where, and Harley's all been out of shape because all she wants is just to settle down with the Joker and who's she going to blame that it's not working out? She blames Batman. And and I like the way it's done in the, like the show did it well, the comic did it well too, where she just sees the Joker as just this perfect angel that, you know, he just wants to make the world laugh and Batman keeps stopping him. And of course, that's not what it is. But but I love that on the other hand of it, I love that the men in it, they don't I, I said the Joker's kind of an idiot earlier, but they don't but they don't feel stupid or lesser, right? They don't feel they feel like real people too. Like there's no good guy and there's no bad guy really in this situation. I mean, yeah, well, yes and no, if that makes any sort of sense. I feel like that was total nonsense. <laughs> like in this episode specifically, you mean? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, Joker's definitely a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I feel like the Joker, I don't know. He, Yeah, he doesn't give me anything in this episode that makes me feel any sort of sympathy for him. Right. And like, like even if he hadn't been beating her on screen, like he was still very manipulative and emotionally abusive. Mm-hmm. It's like... So I don't know, like, but I get what you're saying. They're all very complex characters. They're not just one dimensional, even yeah. though he is a villain and the antagonist, like we hate him, but we mm. still have fun with him. We still find him funny. He can yeah. be scary one moment, you know, hitting her in the face and then make a joke the next second. And we still laugh because he yeah. has layers, but that doesn't make him any less evil. Right. And, and, and same with, with Batman where he does manipulate Harley, but he's also but he's not doing it to to mess with her, to make himself laugh. He's doing it to save his own skin, you know? And does that make it okay? Kind of, but... I think it does. It's just that <laughs> we're, we're in Harley's perspective here. So, like, sure, sure. we're feeling bad for her. Yeah. Uh, even, like, she's our protagonist, but she's still right, a right. villain mm-hmm. at this point in time. Um, but I wanted to say, I, I feel like on top of everything that we've talked about with her character, she's so important because she is so feminine, but still so strong. And we see this with characters, like, mm-hmm. since I always bring it up and you mentioned, I, you know, forgive me for his name, Joss Whedon, mm-hmm. um, Buffy Summers is such a feminine character, but she's also so strong. Uh, even if she hadn't, you know, she, Buffy Summers goes through a lot of abuse in her, in her life and yeah. is stronger on the other side, even though that's a, a trope. Um, she, I think she would still be strong either way. She is physically strong. Sure. Um, even Wonder Woman, like Wonder Woman is pretty feminine and she is a strong character. So like um, 
even again, I guess my mind is on Sarah Michelle Gellar, like Daphne from Scooby Doo. I'm thinking specifically like the live action, like she's yep. such a girly girl and loves makeup and wears dresses, but then she does karate and beats up this huge muscly man. Like, yeah. Anyway, this all ties into Harley Quinn because I feel like she has that vibe. So, like, I love having very feminine characters who embrace their femininity and are still very girly, but they are strong. And I I love that. Uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of the same way with with men in that sense that, you know, I think about like Chris Pratt in the the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, you know, the whole time he's like, he's the cocksure action hero, you know, doing all the, all, anything he can to kick ass and, you know, and get and get the girl right, you know, um, but then towards the end of the movie, he's listening to the tape that his mother made. And he's just sitting there listening and processing it and tearing up like that. I, it was such a beautiful scene, you know, cause I'm like, I, I love this. This just shows, cause you know, you can just, you'll, you'll, I'm sure you'll have audience, you know, be like uh, the way <laughs> Kevin Smith put it. He put up a video of him talking about Kevin Conroy and how he cried talking about him. And he said like, before Twitter crucifies me for the high crime of crying, I was like, you know, I, that's another thing. I don't think it makes him less of a man to, to show emotion. You no, know? and I think we're talking about toxic masculinity here. Yeah, yeah. And actually, we're talking about feminism because feminism isn't just for women. It's for men, too, in that mm. men are allowed to show aspects of themselves that, you know, even crying is seen as a feminine thing, a weak thing. That doesn't make you any less of a man. Like, right. Feminism is for everybody and benefits everybody. Yeah, it, it, it really does. And, and people who are against it. And I love those memes nowadays that say we shouldn't elect women into office because they're so emotional. And then they'll show pictures of Trump or Brett Kavanaugh or whoever just like screaming at the camera. And I'm just like, or somebody, or you know, somebody will be like, like, don't tell me you know, men are the stronger sex. Have you ever talked to a man who's losing a video game? Oh and I was gosh. like, you know, and I just kind of put my head down. I was like, yep, mm-hmm, I am. I feel like anyone, <laughs> anyone who says they don't support feminism, they just don't understand feminism. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, sit them down and have a conversation and you Google is your friend. Mm. And I feel like once someone understands it, they'd be like, oh yeah, of course I support that. Like, yeah, it, it's it's almost a matter of manipulating that person into tricking them into. <laughs> well, it's like, well, no, no, it's it's actually yeah. more like this when you think about it. It's like, oh, well, I'm okay with that. Like, all right. <laughs> I just feel like there's such a stigma around the word feminism, and that yeah. like, I think these macho men who are probably wrapped up in toxic masculinity have this idea that feminism is, uh, women think they're better than us and think men suck and <laughs> are coming for us. And it's like, right. no, that's not what this is. And it's just a misunderstanding. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I like the idea of, you know, of, of Batman being a type of person who, you know, you know, is, is very accepting. And, you know, when Barbara Gordon becomes Batgirl, he's not, against it because she's a you know at least in more modern comics like he's not against it because she's a girl you know he's a if he's against it it's because he doesn't want anyone else to be put in danger 
because uh, he's that way with with Tim Drake. He's that way with Dick. You know, when they all wanted to become Robin or whatever, he's not sitting there going, "Well, you know, Dick, you're you're a strapping young lad, and you'll be a great crime fighter." You know, that's how it was in the fifties, of course. But nowadays, like with more nuance, there's the idea of, I think it was it was James uh, Tynan who wrote, um, I think it was in the um, the Robin 80th special where he was worried like Bruce was worried that if he, he would set a precedent by having a young partner and Dick was like, uh, dude, you're the precedent. Like you were already out there doing it. I would just be there with you. And I thought yeah. that was such a good way to put it, you know, and that's a random tangent. I just went on. <laughs> no, no, I think we're talking about if is Batman wrapped up in toxic masculinity, I think is where we're going. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm sure, or or sexism, even I think we're touching on too. Like, mm-hmm. there are definitely things from the Batman history in the comics where a hundred percent he was because that's how he was written. But that doesn't, in my mind, that doesn't make the character those things. That just makes how he was being written at the time. Yeah, because it was yeah. the time period. Sure, and like sure. even even today, like if he is written that way tomorrow in a, in a new comic like to me i think batman is not those things i think you're right like he i don't want to say he's like the perfect human being because he's <laughs> obviously not well physically like, i think he is <laughs> you know, batman is more than right you know he is a symbol whatever so like in my mind and i think the general audience like no he's not those things because he's supposed to be better than us like mm-hmm. he's supposed to be able to make the decisions that we cannot because he has earned that whether that make you know that's in fiction i'm saying this sure but, <laughs> but like yeah like no i think he is a good man and a good person and would not be those things but you know i'm sure there are things right in the past yeah yeah probably aren't canon anymore let's be real (laughs) sure (laughs) it's been retconned every five or ten years anyway so and 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 yeah it's it's tough when and i think it's great that the the modern harley quinn and, and a character that's only 30 years old has evolved in such a great way where we can move past the she's the Joker's girlfriend, right? Because that's who she was for the longest time. To now she's Harley Quinn. And I think that's fantastic, you know? And I think getting to see her, especially in the, um, you know, the the Birds of Prey movie. And then, but of course, uh, the Suicide Squad, you know, she's one of the best characters in there. And and it's such a great, you know, bit. And and unfortunately got spoiled in the trailers, but when like she rescues herself, right? And they're all like, okay, so we're going in. Three, two. And she's like, hey, guys. And they're like, oh, yeah. well, we came to rescue you. And she's like, well, go back inside. You know, you could still do it. And, um, yeah. And I think that's part of her character. Like, not just her being a strong woman, but, you know, saving herself in that Joker relationship. Like, mm-hmm. saving herself here as well. Like, I just love that for her. And and the Joker's not even mentioned in that movie. And didn't oh. didn't need to be. We didn't We didn't need her to go well, I finally broke up with the Joker, so now I'm on my own. We didn't need that. She just is. Yeah. No, we did that in Birds of Prey. Right. <laughs> which, you know, which which, which was, was still great. Yeah. But but to not be, you know, constantly talking about it. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, like the way she kills the El Presidente, you know, and uh, 
you know, it's just, it's, it's great. Um, yeah. Margot Robbie deserves at least another movie. I want a Gotham City Sirens movie. I think with her and Poison Ivy, it would be so good. I, the fact that we're, you know, and, and with James Gunn being the head, you know, the co-head of DC Studios, it's like, he, he loves Harley. Like he said that a million times making the, the Suicide Squad. It's like, yeah, man, like this is, there's a reason that this character is so popular. You know, there's a reason that when we go to Comic-Con, I'm seeing dozens of Harley Quinns, right? You know, um, yeah. I actually have a picture <laughs> of uh, these two girls that were dressed as Starlight from the boys and Sylvie from Loki. And I was like, oh, you guys look great. Can I get your picture? And they were like, yeah, sure. So they like posed for me. And then I looked in the background, I would show people the picture. I'm like, oh, I met these these cosplayers. And I was like, oh, there's Harley and, and Poison Ivy making out in the background of that picture. I didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did talk to them and meet them and everything. But because I was on a Marvel kick, I was promoting the Spider-Man book club, yeah. you know. Um, and I was just, and I was like, oh, you know, like, oh, this is so cool. Like, you know, here, here's my card, you know, hope you like the show. And and then I looked, and then I, when I looked at the pictures later, I was like, oh, no, there they are. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, she's so popular. Someone described her as like the fourth pillar of DC, like mm. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Harley Quinn. Like, it's kind of where we're headed. That She is that popular. Yeah. So the fact that people are afraid that a movie starring her won't be successful, like, is crazy. Like, it, Birds of Prey didn't make a ton of money, but it was... I think it had a lot of things going against it and it was like right before the pandemic or like, like literally right before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the month that it was like kicking in yep, like, yep. and it was rated R like, I don't know. I feel like there was a lot of things where it didn't work in its favor, mm-hmm. but like, and again, stupid, the suicide squad, like in the pandemic, like I don't feel like any movie with her has been given a fair shot entirely. And like right. the original suicide squad movie was such a meme and so hated on whether it deserved it or not like so anyway like if they're afraid that it's not going to do well make it like a six episode miniseries on hbo max or something i mean there's people want it well there's a reason that when like dc universe wasn't really working out but that show was and people were were finding that show through the dc universe app and then to the point where like the sci-fi network picked it up and was like, we're going to air the episodes. So it's like, oh, so this thing's catching on because people are, you know, are, are kind of going, oh, this is like, sure, it's on this app that like nobody's really subscribing to, which is unfortunate. But at the same time, it's like, this is great. This is really good storytelling. And plus, like... You're talking about the Harley Quinn cartoon? Yeah. Okay. And plus, like, it's fucking funny. Like, it's just genuinely entertaining. And, it's excellent. And Alan Tudyk, who I've loved for years, is a great Joker. And I don't, and it's for the first time in a long time, I don't feel like I'm watching a Mark Hamill ripoff, you know? Yeah. No, that entire show, like, near perfection. Yeah. So those first two seasons were perfect. Yeah. Season three was almost perfect, but I still loved it. Like, yeah. I cannot wait to see where they're going. And like I said, I really feel like Mad Love, without Mad Love, we would not have this show. Mm-hmm. I think is I think I can say that pretty confidently. Like this episode is what established Harley as such an interesting character. Yeah. Like I feel like she was beloved before, which is why she got this origin. But this origin is really what cemented her as so like iconic and giving her depth. 
and you know like you could watch this episode and then jump right into the harley quinn cartoon and you'd be you'd be all set like of course they would fill in the blanks even if you didn't watch this episode right right but i feel like you should like this this episode is just if it's like episode zero of harley quinn it, that's a really good way to put it and and you know written by paul dini who created her and um you know they, and he did the comic as well obviously and it, it's just you know th- there's a reason that when they brought harley into the comic books they just they basically just copy and pasted mad love into the comic books you know because it's like well that you know we're not going to get any better than that and there's a reason that um david ayer when he was writing the suicide squad he again just kind of copy and pasted it right um yeah yeah I the mean, origin is flawless yeah for the so, most part um the added bit being that harley you know jumps into the chemicals and becomes jokerized because that wasn't there but you know and the harley quinn show adapted that aspect from the the david ayer movie uh yeah that's kind of what i was talking about when i was mentioning giving her agency because in the cartoon it's it's revealed that she jumps of her own free will right right in the in the harley quinn show yeah yeah i found that very like that was very interesting and i thought added a lot to her origin i agree yeah that she wasn't entirely a victim right at least in that scenario (laughs) (laughs) yes yes (laughs) Um, um but you mentioned paul dini like the the writing is just so good like the rev up your harley line is so good when she says writer rooney i love just love that the delivery of course is just so good but there's the writing is excellent there's the holiday nights episode when harley and um and and ivy they they take over bruce's mind and they make him take them on a shopping spree like throughout mm. gotham city and then he tries to when he finally tries to break out of it he falls down an elevator shaft and and it's such great line delivery. I miss Arlene Sorkin, you know, the way she did it, where she was just like, Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, we killed him. Oh well, we were gonna do it anyway. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like yeah. it's just it's so funny because for a second you're like, Oh, are they really upset? And then it's like, no, nah, nah, well, we we're gonna kill him anyway, no big deal. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, we have to give a lot of credit to Paul Dini, like even with the Harley Ivy relationship, like yep. he always said he intended it that they would you know they had a thing going on and i appreciate that like whatever he intended from that or not like it has turned into a phenomenon and such great representation and there's a moment in this episode where she's walking by ivy's cell and she's saying something like oh yeah i'm like really attracted to extreme personalities and it like zooms in on ivy and i'm like that just seemed like such foreshadowing Mm -hmm, knowing what mm -hmm. we know now but i'm like i wonder if that was intentional because it could have been but it's just so funny to look back on it it probably was and 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 genie you know wrote that first episode where harley and ivy teamed up in the original anime series and um and i love that he kind of kept that torch going that, that that the fans picked up on that. You know, Diane Pershing, you know, who's the voice of uh, Poison Ivy, she talks about that all the time, that she's, she, she'll meet female fans that are, like, in tears talking to her about, you know, the way Poison Ivy would kind of call Harley out on, on her bullshit with the Joker. Um, and there's, you know, yeah, before we wrap up here, there's, there's a, a funny bit in the... Um, uh, that I remember from the, the commentary on Batman the Animated Series, that Harley and Ivy episode where they, they were constantly getting like notes and feedback from the network. And one time when they, uh, 
they edited themselves was when the Joker finds Harley and Ivy's hideout. The original line in the script was he said, my, you've been the busy little beavers, haven't you? (laughs) (laughs) And then, and I guess like after like a couple of takes, they were like, we got to change that. That's too much. (laughs) Yeah. Couldn't get away with that. Yeah. (laughs) Like maybe they could have, they got away with quite a lot on that show, but, um, uh, but yeah, but I, I'm so glad you picked this one because it's one of my favorites and it's, it's one that has stuck with me when I think of Harley, I think of mad love. And when I think of her, when I think of her now, there's sort of a weird, like, like a friend that's gotten out of a bad relationship. You're just like, Oh, you did it. I'm so excited. I'm so proud of you. You know? And even though it's a fictional Watching her show is so satisfying. It is. It is. Like, like I said, just because, revisiting this episode last night and getting to that ending where she goes back i was like gosh i'm so glad that show exists (laughs) i can go cleanse myself now and watch the first episode of that show so yes if go watch the show if you haven't already it's amazing but i also wanted to plug in um the harleen graphic novel have you read that yes yeah it's been a while but yes so good it's like it's a mad love retelling Mm -hmm. but with very realistic beautiful art and it's like a more realistic would you say like it almost seems like it would be in like the dark knight universe yeah i would agree with that uh, and it's just a harley origin and you can see why she falls in love with the joker mm-hmm. that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> <laughs> that that you know i mean i i can't say the the, the guy's name unfortunately yet stefan it's 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 a i think he's italian i so i'm so sorry <laughs> sir i cannot say your name but he wrote he wrote and drew it and it's yeah it, it, it's I mean, so good just from the from a surface level looks beautiful but it also just is a really great story and very little batman in it too you know it, it is very much harley's story yeah i saw he wanted to do a sequel and he's like left mainstream comics so i don't know yeah. if it's ever happening but he was gonna do like a poison ivy one and then they were gonna team up and be lovers and i'm like no i want that so bad <laughs> but yeah. harleen stands on its own anyway it's yeah. fantastic yeah a black label on its own continuity thing which I, I love that kind of stuff anyway because like you were talking about with that novel you read earlier and and even the the harley quinn uh breaking glass story the young yeah ya novel that came out a few years ago like she I, gets I, raised by drag queens in that one, right? I, I think so. I, I didn't read it, but I read about it because I didn't know. I, I'd seen, I think I'd seen it on the shelf at the store, but, and then like reading about it, it's like, oh, it's this really cool retelling yeah. of, and it's like, it, it does all go back to Mad Love. It's like, well, here's the blueprint and it works. So just put your own spin on it, which yeah. is what comics are all about anyway, right? And I like that these can all coexist and be meaningful empowering stories even if they don't have the abuse storyline in there like i feel like i'm i don't want to backtrack by saying it's not necessary to her character but Mm -hmm. like i feel like it's necessary to her iconic when people think of harley quinn we think of her being a survivor of abuse and Mm -hmm. overcoming it but that doesn't mean we can't have these other continuities where she's just as strong in different ways so like I love that we can have everything and have a smorgasbord of strong Harley Quinn origins. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what comics are all about. It's great. Yeah. (laughs) Um, TJ, this has been such a blast. I'm glad we finally got, uh, we're able to do this. Um, Yes. Thank uh, you for having me. Of course, of course, anytime. Um, 
you know, I have you down for about, I think, maybe four more episodes of the Spider-Man book club. So, you know, oh, we'll, yeah. we'll definitely be in touch. Um, so uh, if uh, people are uh, looking for you out there, if they're shining the light in Gotham City uh, for the, the TJ signal, where can they find you? Well, until Twitter collapses, you can find me. <laughs> Could happen any day. <laughs> yeah, uh, hopefully not. Uh, at TroyFin2 on Twitter, where I, that's my personal Twitter. I talk about books, gay things, gay books, Batman. But if you really want to hear about Batman, you can find me at Gotham Outsiders on Twitter. On, and we're, we're pretty much everywhere, but mainly on Twitter. And it's our Batman book club where we talk about all things Batman we're a queer feminist podcast and you know we haven't talked about harley quinn very much unfortunately but we did do an episode on the first two seasons of her show so maybe Mm. check that out uh but yeah if you're into the queer aspect of harley we talk a lot about queerness on that show and batman so check it out i did listen to your harley episode about the first two seasons which i really enjoyed Um, that was like one of our first ones yeah a while ago um, so I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, I, yeah, it, it's been a while, but yeah, but yeah, yeah, I did really enjoy that. Um, as for me, you can find me uh, at Four Comic Junkies on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, mostly Twitter. Uh, you can email me for Comic Junkies at gmail.com. And uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna sign off here, folks. This has been a lot of fun, and uh, we'll catch you next time, Puddin'. <laughs>